enjoying the beautiful day, whether you're on the road, some of you, some of our loved ones are on the road today, and uh, or in-house, or heading here, or just waking up. We're glad to have you join us, so let's just start in worship. chapter 1, verses 19 through 20. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. Thank 
Will you all pray with me? Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you for this glorious day you've given us to come together and worship you and gather in your name, Lord. We thank you for all the many blessings that you pour out upon us. And we just want to take a moment to just turn our hearts towards you in silent prayer, Lord. We want to be able to just take all the things that hold us back, all the unconfessed sin, all the conflict, all the strife, all those things that are keeping us from seeing you today. Lord, we just want to take those and leave those at the foot of the cross and let you handle those so that we can put our focus on you. So again, Heavenly Father, we just thank you for such a glorious day, this house that you've built for us and the people that you've filled uh, in this house and online, Lord. And uh, we just ask that you put our focus on you now. It's in your son's holy and precious name we pray, Lord. Amen.
Our next reading this morning comes from uh, Psalms, the book of Psalms. This is from Psalm 139, uh, verses 13 through 16. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there were none of them.
Father, we thank you so much for the truths that we find in your word. And we thank you that um, you chose us. We don't know why, <laughs> but you chose us um, individually. You called us by name. And you chose us as a people, as a chosen race, to be a royal priesthood, to proclaim your glories. And we thank you for that honor and that undeserved privilege to be your children. Um, Father, we um, thank you for um, Pastor Tom and the words that you've given him. And I pray that you would um, prepare our hearts to receive um, your word this morning. And we ask for a special blessing on um, our important people, on the kids um, that they would, in wherever they are today, whatever they're doing, they would in some way um, know more deeply that you love them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Good morning. Welcome to Hope. It's good to have you with us here in person or online. So glad you're here. If you're visiting with us or if you have any prayer requests, we encourage you to fill out this form. And we will follow up with you accordingly. Uh, you can also email us through our website and communicate prayer requests with us that way. Um, also, um, a good way to, uh, well, a good time to log in to our member portal through the website, update your information if it's not current, and just check everything there. Make sure we got everything we need to stay in touch with you. Uh, several things going on around here that you should know about. We have our several weekly Zoom meetings. We've got our Sunday morning live stream, yay. Um, and then on Tuesday nights, we have a ongoing Bible study. And it's not, there's, it's not like homework required. You can just log in on Tuesday nights at 7 and participate. There'll be scriptures assigned uh, during that Bible study for us to look at together and discuss Kind of good, kind of fruitful. Encourage you to log in and be part of that. You don't need to have been at the last one to be at the next one. So just zoom in and we'll, we'll take you. Then on Wednesday nights, we are at 7 o'clock. We are also Zooming. We are reading through uh, the book Uncle Tom's Cabin by Harriet Beecher Stowe. Um, and just I can't tell you how impressed I am with this woman uh, as an author, as a person, as a Christian, um, but we're, we're looking at the book both historically and then as a novel, as a piece of literature on, in its own right, and then also trying to understand how it relates to our current cultural context. We had some good discussion this past Wednesday night. Uh, my daughter, Sydney, is working currently at the Human Trafficking Institute in Washington, D.C., and she had some insights to contribute as to how the book relates to or how that those themes relate to human trafficking today and we'll be doing more of that as the series continues um, but just encourage you to log in Wednesday nights at 7 and participate it's it's actually pretty rich and fruitful so encourage you to do that as well um, let's see youth group and I if I'm not mistaken this may be our final youth group of the semester. Is that right, Rusty? Okay. So at least the final youth group Bible study before Thanksgiving. We might reconvene in December for some reason or another. But uh, that's tonight at 6. We will have individually wrapped snacks for you to snack on and drinks to drink, and then we'll do a little Bible study discussion. It's a good time, and it's been uh, unusually well attended recently. Um, I, I think it's just one of those things that uh, none of us are getting enough face-to-face -face time with others, and so it's the turnout's been great. We actually meet outside, and we socially distance, and we're usually wearing masks, et cetera, when it's, you know, we're not eating or whatever, but... Um, uh, it's been good. It's been really good. Some good fruitful discussion. Great kids in this church. I love them. And uh, so if you're grades 6 through 12, we encourage you to come tonight at 6 for youth group Bible study. Uh, let's see. Operation Christmas Child. There's some details in your bulletin. Um, this is the ministry of Samaritan's Purse where you pack a shoebox with goodies and then they we collect those. Rose is going to take them uh, to... 
drop-off point for Samaritan's Purse here in San Antonio on the appropriate day, which is a week from today? Okay. <clears throat> All right, so they have to be here at church next week or you're giving it to yourself. Um, <clears throat> so instructions are in your bulletin. I, I think I sent out an email yesterday which also has instructions on the Samaritan's Purse website where you can click and follow their little, like, what do you pack, what do you not pack, like, don't put food in there. Um, but uh, it's a cool ministry, and you can actually go on their website and print out a tag, and it will track your shoebox and tell you where it ends up. Do they still do that? Okay. Yeah, so we're, that's not a guarantee, but... In some cases, your shipment can be tracked, and you'll be let, if possible, you'll, they'll let you know uh, where your box wound up. And there are some extra items for packing in the shoeboxes out in the family room. You can grab those on your way out if you need extra things to put in your box. All right? Then, in addition to that, that will, that will wrap up. Ha, 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 ha. Next week, a week from today, will be the final Sunday to collect shoeboxes. So I'll send out another reminder this week, but that's coming up. And then a week then after that, uh, we will have another sort of Christmas donation drive for some of our Blueprint families. Blueprint is a ministry that our youth group partners with every summer in urban San Antonio. They do home repairs and ministry to uh, homeowners of houses in urban San Antonio who are living at one and a half times the poverty level or lower. And so we have relationships with some of these families. We've been at their homes multiple times, multiple years, um, and we've done Christmas for them. And so they've got a pretty streamlined, uh, socially distance engineered method this year for collecting gifts and then dropping off gifts. There's details in your bulletin on our website, uh, in the email I sent out yesterday, but you'll be able to participate. There's a sign-up genius. You just click on that, choose what you want to do. You, you, like Some of it's really simple, like a blanket. You want to buy two blankets, you just put your name in those two separate blanks. And blanks, blanket, got it. Okay, that, that didn't really... <laughs> just kind of... Try to cover over that. Um, okay, so that's on the that's on the sign up genius link. Encourage you to go there and uh, see what you would like to do this year for those families. All right, anything I'm forgetting? Anyone? Anyone? Bueller? No one. Okay. Well, let's pray. How's that sound? Father God, we thank you for this time to pause in our week and open your word. We pray that as we open your living word this morning, that it would come alive in our hearts, that you would speak to us through your word to bring out those things in, within us that are in need of your attention. Lord, that as we read your word, you would read our hearts and draw us closer to you through the grace of your son, Jesus Christ. We acknowledge that we are sinful and in need of forgiveness. And we thank you for what Christ has provided for us on the cross to that end. That we might be forgiven and freed from our sin and joined to your eternal kingdom. That those aspects of living in your family can begin even in this life. And so, Father, we just pray that you would be at work this morning. We lay at the foot of your cross the burdens of our hearts that we might be more free to encounter you here through your word today. We lift before you those who are sick or recovering from medical procedures or facing uncertain diagnoses. We pray especially for our sister Linda Harris as she is recovering uh, or undergoing chemo, we just pray your blessing and healing over her. We lift up others whom we know and love who are sick, who are uh, 
in need of your healing, and we just lift them before you now. We lift before you those who mourn. We pray you would comfort them. We lift before you those in our nation who are in positions of leadership, both elected and appointed. We pray for wisdom and discernment and discernment in the decisions that are before them. We lift up our men and women in uniform here in this country and all around the world. We just pray your protection over them. We pray especially for those families that are separated uh, due to their service to our country. And we just pray that you would be with both those who are deployed and those who are still on the home front to strengthen them and get them through these times of uncertainty. And we just pray that you would bring those who are in harm's way home safely. And Father, we lift up your church here at Hope and around the world, and we pray that we would shine the light of your love in this dark and hurting world. We lift up those churches that we are connected to through our denomination and through our missions, and we just pray your blessing over those works of your spirit. We lift up our missionaries in particular whom we support in uh, Guatemala, in Laredo, Texas, in Beirut, Lebanon, elsewhere in the Middle East, and in Cuba where our sister church is. And we just pray your blessing over those works of your spirit in those places. We thank you for the gift of your presence and pray that you would be with us now as we open your word together. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right. So a couple of weeks ago, we, we went outside after church and sowed some wildflower seeds in a little patch of sticker burrs out there um, that uh, we are hopeful will emerge sometime in 2021, which really needs to get here soon, I think, yeah. Um, and we'll, we'll hopefully... Hopefully, we'll have an Easter egg hunt in and around some beautiful wildflowers. That's the plan, okay? And so when this idea was, uh, well, when this idea sprouted, <laughs> see what I did there? Uh, why would I stop? I'm, it's dad jokes. It's what I do. Um, uh, the, the woman who shall remain anonymous, Jen Townsend, went up to Fredericksburg to wild flower farms or wild seed farms or something like that. And there's this like old codger who works there who owns the place and just a classic kind of Texas country farmer type guy. And Jen is trying to figure out from him like, well, what's the right week to plant the seeds? What's how, you know, should I, should I, put them all the seeds out or should I put like a third of them out in case it doesn't rain and then and then and then another third the next week and another third the next week and what about the ants and what about you know the birds and what about this and the guy just goes stop you are obviously not a farmer <laughs> and so <laughs> just what a classic line Right, as, as one of us, city folk, is out there trying to figure out some agricultural magic that farmers have been trying to you know, deal with, have been dealing with for several millennia now. And the guy's just like, easy. It is clear you're not a farmer. Because you, you farmers don't try to overthink what they do. They just try to get the seed into the field and then it's kind of out of their hands. So we're going to look at this this week. We're in the 13th chapter of the Gospel of Matthew because that's where the parable of the sower is. And the parable of the, of the sower is one of a whole series of parables that Jesus is telling that are really about the kingdom of God. So to understand, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, to understand the parable of the sower, you, you don't want to focus on the, the, the story itself. You want to focus on this bigger umbrella idea of the kingdom of God. This is the, the concept that Jesus is developing, not just in this chapter, but it's the major theme of his teaching throughout his ministry on earth, the kingdom 
of God. And what does that mean? What is he talking about? And how do we better understand the kingdom of God? And that's where these agricultural metaphors begin to come in. So we're going to read from, uh, this is the third part of our series. This is a short passage in the Gospel of Matthew. And he will also, in this passage, quote one of the Psalms, which we will look at a little bit later in the sermon. Um, But for now, let's just open our Bibles to Matthew chapter 13. I'm going to read just verses 31 through 35. And these are more parables of the kingdom. This is Jesus trying to teach his followers what, what the meaning of the kingdom of God really is. Matthew 13 beginning in verse 31. He put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but when it has grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour till it was all leavened. All these things Jesus said to the crowds in parables. Indeed, he said nothing to them without a parable. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter what has been hidden since the foundation of the world. So I love I love the I love the statement from this guy. And I, I'm kind of afraid to go meet him. <laughs> but you know, he listens and there's there are all these variables that we obviously cannot control. Right? The temperature, the sunlight, the rain, the soil, um, it's all kind of beyond our ability to control. And, you know, at one point, Jen was asking this guy, well, like, do we need to would we put down some topsoil and, like, spread it out? And, you know, do we need to, like, prepare this area? And he just goes, um, have you driven down a Texas highway? In the spring, ever? Yeah. Well, they're covered in blue bonnets, and nobody does anything. They just throw some seeds out about this time of year, and the rest kind of takes care of itself. And if they, if they mow it properly before and then wait long enough after, they reseed themselves, too. It's, it's, a, it's like called nature, I think. Um, and so... All these very, and the guy's like, no, you don't need to prepare the soil. They're wildflowers. Just throw them out. And I think the, the, best, the best interaction probably came somewhere around, well, should I just put like half the seeds out and then save the other ones in, you know, in case like it doesn't rain? He's just like, they're not going to grow in the bag. What, you are not a farmer. So just put the seeds out. Get them out of the bag, onto the ground, and let's see what happens. And hopefully, maybe, in the spring, we'll have some wildflowers. This is going to be hilarious if we don't. <laughs> so much buildup for two blue bonnets. So that's kind of exactly where, you know, so I want you to imagine Jesus as this, this old farmer in the wildflower seed shop and he's trying to just, he's just like, don't overthink it. This is the, the kingdom of God works in ways we don't fully understand. The kingdom of God works a lot like agriculture. And so in this, in this pair of parables, I'm, I'm not going to stop there. I'm just going to keep going. Um, <laughs> Jesus is trying to sort of change the angle 
on the kingdom of God so we can look at it from a couple of different perspectives. And he's really, what he's trying to do is, is sort of get us to stop trying to overthink the kingdom of God. The interesting thing is, is he uses these parables that nobody fully understands as he's telling the parables. And so it's tempting to try to get down into the weeds of the parables and, un, and you know, dissect them when I think the best approach is to stay above this ground and look down on it with a little bit of perspective. This is a big picture idea that Jesus is trying to convey. And so we're going to look specifically at these two metaphors of the mustard seed as well as uh, the leaven in the, in the three measures of flour as ways of understanding better the kingdom of God and what Jesus is calling out of us in relation to that question. So when we get to this, this mustard seed, it's important to understand how what, a, what an unlikely suspect this tiny, tiny little seed is. This is smaller than the head of a pen. It's tiny. They're, like you, you, you blow on it, it will just disappear. You'll never see it again. They're tiny little seeds. And there's, there's something just terribly unlikely about this little tiny seed as a candidate for becoming a shrub and then a tree. So I think what Jesus is trying to tell us in this, this particular little parable is that we, as people of the kingdom, if we're going to see a, what the kingdom of God is, we have to be able to look past the unlikely. We have to be able to see past the unlikely. And if you think about it, when Jesus is going out and, and building the kingdom of God, he's building it out of what? People. And is he, going, is he going to the halls of learning to gather together the most wise and knowledgeable scholars of his day? No. Is he going to the political halls of power to gather the, the most influential people of his day? Not really. Um, is, is he going to the wealthy to, to accumulate the most wealth and power that he can for God's kingdom? Absolutely not. He is going about this in the most unlikely way that a person could gather a following. He's, he's claiming lepers and blind people and lame people and uh, women of ill repute he is bringing into his following fishermen of all things a tax collector uh, these are not uh, respectable like accumulation of people that you would think you would want if you were establishing a new kingdom on this earth this is an unlikely gathering of souls and Jesus is trying to explain to his followers this is the ethic of the kingdom of God we are building a kingdom out of the most unlikely sources you could possibly conceive of and so to be a people who understand this this characteristic of the unlikeliness of the kingdom of God, that we are then a people who learn how to trust God's plan. And there is, there is just a great correlation here uh, because I'm, I'm just going to, like, Jen and Jimmy invested, I don't know how much those bags of seeds cost, but they cost money, Right? And, and there's an investment, there's, a, there's a, a spending of money for the sake of a purpose, and you want to make sure that you're doing it right. And so you ask questions, and you try to make sure that you're not the reason we have no wildflowers in the spring. And the guy's just like, at some point, you're going to need to empty that bag in the field and just trust just trust that something good is going to come out of that. 
And we, as God's people, when it relates to this idea of the coming of his kingdom, we have to trust. We have to trust his plan. That he has a a purpose behind this gathering of unlikely souls. That he's going somewhere. And we have to be able to see ourselves, each of us, as unlikely candidates for being recipients of the grace of God. If, if we ever look in our own hearts and think, well, of course God included me in his kingdom. I'm important. I'm influential. I have money. I have whatever. Like, let me be very clear. I think this is true for you as well. The only thing that I contributed to the equation of my salvation is my sin. That contribution should not well cause me to well up with pride. It should humble me and put me in a position of trust and faith and gratitude I have to see myself as small as that mustard seed, as that unlikely candidate for being part of God's kingdom. And then I have to see God as mighty. This is, this is the, the trade-off, I guess. You take this really unlikely candidate and you trust the process of putting it in the ground and letting it grow, and it becomes something far greater than what you could have imagined it could be when you looked at that tiny little seed. And that is all attributable to the power of God in each one of us. And so we look past the unlikely, to, we trust God's plan, and we learn to rely on God's power, this power to bring about growth and change and development. His power is greater than it seems. I am naturally a doubter. You remember Thomas in the Bible? My name is Thomas. Thomas was the doubter. Yeah, yeah, show me, show me those scars. Let me touch them. Right? That's that's I was named well. And God just looks at me and just kind of shakes his head and it's like, what are you, why are you doubting me? My power is so far greater than what you can possibly comprehend. Why are you doubting me? Just trust me. Trust me. My power is greater than it seems and it's more active than it seems. So, the first thing that Jesus is trying to convey in this parable of the mustard seed is that it's like the kingdom of God. We are dealing with something that can't be fully explained or understood and that doesn't need to be overthought. It just needs to be believed and trusted and we have to be able to get past the unlikeliness of what we see where we become reliant on God's power. And so we have to see past the unlikely, and then as we move into this parable about the yeast, we have to be able to see past the unseen. And it's important to remember that ancient people had no idea what yeast was. They just knew that if they got their, their flour wet and they left it in the open air, that something would happen. And it would rise, and it would cause little air bubbles to form inside the bread, and then when they baked it, it, it was easier to eat, and it tasted better. And so, you know, like uh, uh, France is famous for all their different kinds of cheeses. right? Let's name a few. Brie, Camembert, is that French? Yeah, whatever. Give me another one. Cheddar's not from France. What? Um, 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 what's the nasty one? 
Limburger, that's probably not French. That's like from Alsace-Lorraine or something or Germany or something. What? Roquefort? All right. Blue cheeses? So, so I, I'm just, here's my point. All of, these, all of these cheeses come from different little regions of France that are separated from each other by rivers or mountains or geography of some kind. The reason that each of those cheeses tastes different from the others is because if you go back like several hundred years, the, the strains of yeast that were floating around in the air in one region of France did very different things to cream than the yeasts that were floating around in the air in other parts of France. And so their cheeses tasted distinct. And then they would, they would use those yeast strains to sort of infect the ne next batch of cream, and they had their own regional flavor of cheese. And then you get to today, and you can buy it all at Costco, right, in a sealed pack. You know what I mean. Anyway, the, the cheeses we have today are, are engineered with very specific, scientifically selected yeast strains. 400 years ago, they were just floating around in the air, and you literally take your pot of cream and you set it outside for a, for a few hours. It gathers enough of these strains of yeast and lactobacillus to do its job. Or you, you use what, you, what, you, what was in it last week. Anyway, yeast was not understood by ancient people the way we understand it. They couldn't see it. Uh, they couldn't control it, really, but they knew it was there. And, and that's really where Jesus is going with this second parable, is we're dealing with something we cannot see, but that doesn't mean it doesn't, it's not powerful, and it's not active, and it's not significant. And so that's what we want to look at, is this call to, to look past the unseen, to have faith, that's really what this uh, parable is about, is that the kingdom of God involves an act of faith. It involves us being able to see past what's right in front of us. Um, to be able to perceive what we cannot fully understand. So you're putting yeast in flour and you don't really understand the science of it, but you know that what's going to happen. It's going to spread, and it's going to grow. And Jesus is saying that our faith is much the same way. Through faith, we have access to that which cannot be contained. This, this metaphor of leaven moving through all of the dough is this idea that, that God's kingdom cannot be stopped or contained or limited. It's going to spread. And this should be an enormous comfort to us, that we are part of something that even Satan himself will not be able to stop. And, and I want you to think about this for a minute. You're, you are here as part of God's family because of this unlikely gathering that Jesus assembled around himself 2,000 years ago of literally like prostitutes and thieves and dirty fishermen who smelled bad and uh, all these unlikely people were built into a family that is called the kingdom of God. And you're part of that. That family has not stopped growing. Each one of us is a living miracle. And you are also part of this, this leaven in the world that is spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. That when you show someone else love and respect and trust, and admiration, whatever, you're spreading God's grace. You're doing that for his glory, and you are bringing about the spreading 
of the kingdom of God. You are called to spread his love. The kingdom of God is about that spread, that leaven that just keeps going and going and going. You are to be contagious, and you are to be hopeful. This is part of whether the metaphor is agricultural or culinary, there's an element of hope <laughs> baked into it, right? That, that what you're doing will bear fruit, will work, will taste good on the table, will nourish others, will be a part of this spreading of his grace. There's an element of hope that is central to what Jesus is saying. And so we are to be a people who see past this unlikely source and we see past what we cannot perceive because this is, a, this is an act of faith, this kingdom that we are a part of. We access it through faith and we are to look to the Messiah. So after Jesus tells these two parables, he quotes from Psalm, what is it, 78? Yes. And, Lori, if you can, if you can put Psalm 78, the two excerpts that I have here, if you can put those on. Is this a, can you do that now? Okay, thank you. So I'm just going to read these two portions of Psalm 78. The first four verses is the section from which Jesus is quoting. And this is important to remember. Whenever a, a Jewish person is quoting a piece of a psalm to a Jewish audience, it is fair interpretively to include the entire psalm in the range of what he's trying to say. Does that make sense? So if I say to you, amazing grace, how sweet the sound, what comes to your mind? Saved a wretch like me. That's exactly what Jesus is doing. He's, he's quoting a portion of a familiar hymn in the Jewish hymnal, and everyone who's listening is then scrolling through the rest of that hymn in their mind. So here, here we go. He quotes from verses 1 through 4. I'm going to read those. Give ear, O my people, to my teaching. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings from of old, things that we have heard and known that our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children, but tell them to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders that he has done. So the first thing that Jesus is doing is he's placing himself in this lineage of prophets who are speaking out God's word. And when he, when he quotes this portion of the psalm, he is, in effect, saying, this is why I'm preaching in parables. Because I, I'm not, if, I, you know, if I gave an engineering manual on how to build the kingdom of God, it wouldn't work. A, none of you would follow it. The men in the room wouldn't even read it. Um, and so he speaks in parables to, to sort of bypass this temptation that we can control what he's talking about. And then in quoting this psalm, I'm going to read the, an excerpt that comes much later in the psalm, verses 37 through 39, where the psalmist says, Their heart was not steadfast toward him. They were not faithful to his covenant, yet he, being compassionate, atoned for their iniquity and did not destroy them. He restrained his anger often and did not stir up all his wrath. He remembered that they were but flesh, a wind that passes and comes not again. And this, this psalm is a recounting of the glorious deeds of God in what we would call the Old Testament. And Jesus is effectively saying, I, I am the one standing in this lineage of prophecy and truth who will bring it all to bear and fulfill all of God's word. And so 
the, the final call in this passage is the call to look to the Messiah. We, we look past the unlikely, we look past the unseen, and we look to the Messiah himself. He is the fulfillment of all of God's promises. He is the fulfillment of all of God's word. He is the fulfillment of all of God's people's hopes. And so he is the one who is the living word of God. And he is the one who carried out the glorious deeds of God on the cross. And this person of fulfillment is where the kingdom of God is centered. He is the king. He was born as a peasant and laid as a baby into a feeding trough, and he is the king of kings and lord of lords. He, he came through these unlikely circumstances to the point of bringing an unlikely people together to be part of his family. He fulfilled all of God's word and all of God's promises, and he provides the atonement for our sins. He was fully human, the Bible teaches. And in dying on that cross, a sinless human being who was also the eternal God of the universe gave himself for all of us, that we could be forgiven, that we could find the truth of God from time immemorial, that he is loving and gracious and slow to anger, that he, he will make a means to atone for our sin and bring us back into his presence. And so this Messiah, this Jesus, has provided atonement for our sins, and he took the unlikely step of dying on that cross for us. I can't explain why. And he doesn't want me to try to explain to you why. He doesn't want me to try to overthink that truth. It's just true. And we're called to be part of this eternal family. He took that unlikely step of dying for our sins, and he extends his unseen grace to us. His immeasurable, incalculable, unstoppable grace has been ministered to our hearts by the very Messiah who collects an assembly of the unlikely to give praises to his name. Will you pray with me? God, our Father, we marvel at how you can take such unlikely people, these tiny specks and plant us in the soil of your love and see us grow into the family of God on earth. It is by faith that we can see this and be part of this. And we thank you for that gift of faith, for making us able to see beyond what is right in front of us and to make us part of the kingdom established by your Messiah, your Son, Jesus Christ. Lord, fill us with your Holy Spirit. Lead us each and every day to be people of your word, people of your grace, people of your love, to show the forgiveness to others that you have shown to us. Use us to grow your kingdom here on earth. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
I've committed unto Him against that day. But I know.